Mary is probably one of the most misunderstood characters in the Bible. Depending on your background, you might have a wide variety of thoughts coming into this new sermon series. Some traditions have placed Mary on a pedestal. They've elevated her to a God-like status. Other traditions have treated her with neglect, so concerned with making sure they don't idolize her that they downplay the important role that she plays in history, while the rest aren't quite so sure what to do with her. One writer describes the disappearance of Mary from Protestant tradition as follows. Once upon a time, the Virgin Mary pervaded the life and thought of the Western world. Her presence was so expansive, in fact, that even European fairy tales acknowledged her status. Take Cinderella. An abusive stepmother was still the cause of Cinderella's impoverished conditions, but in one of the earliest tellings of the tale, she knew the one to call upon was the Virgin Mary. In no time at all, Cinderella's hunger was resolved, and a prince was proposing. By replacing the Virgin Mary with a fairy godmother, the story of Cinderella was successfully secularized for today without disenchanting it. But it's, just fa- but it's not just fairy tales that have stripped Mary from a well-loved story. It's not that Protestants have entirely forgotten Mary. At this time of year, the mother of Jesus gets some attention. But Mary is not a Christmas figure to be stored away like the manger and the star of Bethlehem until next year. She played an extraordinary role throughout the life and ministry of Jesus, from the Annunciation to the day of Pentecost. While not much else is seen of Mary outside of the birth narrative, she is mentioned when Jesus is teaching as a boy in the temple. She's mentioned in passing a couple of other times and is present at the crucifixion. But the focus of Mary is never just Mary. It is always Jesus. Now, we could easily go into a lecture on church history to figure out exactly when and how Mary's status has evolved over time. And while all of that information might be interesting to some of you, that's not necessarily the goal or the purpose of this series. Our goal every week is to accurately communicate the truth of the Bible. We believe the Bible is the primary way in which God communicates and reveals himself to us today. And that is, the, that is the final authority of faith and life. So throughout this series, we're going to take a look at the life of Mary as seen in the Bible. The girl who was chosen by God to be the earthly mother of Jesus. We'll learn from her example of humility, obedience, and faith, and hopefully come away with a deep appreciation of the amazing lengths that our God has gone so that we might know the ultimate hope of his unrelenting love. We shouldn't make this mistake to minimize the significance of Mary. Of all of the women in Scripture, and of all of the women that have ever lived, Mary was above all other women as being one who was highly favored by God. There is a great reason to regard Mary this, as she was chosen by God to be the mother of God's Son, Jesus. She and she alone was the sole vessel that would at last bring to Israel and to the whole world their redemption, the Messiah. Our introduction to the story today started with the account of Jesus' birth from Matthew chapter 1. That was the first text that was read for us today, and it sets for us the context of what we know as the traditional Christmas narrative. 
Matthew, in his account, introduces Mary and Joseph. He tells us about the angel appearing to Joseph and speaks of Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. But in Luke's telling of the events surrounding the birth of Jesus, we get a window into the moment of time that Mary finds out the role that she gets to play in God's story of redemption. It is quite likely, given the amount of detail of Gabriel's annunciation to Mary, that Luke spoke with Mary personally about her role as the mother of Jesus. Here's what we know for sure about Mary and her background. She was an average young girl of a common upbringing from a poor village in Israel. Luke 1, verses 26 and 27 read, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Here's a couple of items of note from these two verses. Elizabeth, who Luke refers to a couple of times in this passage, is a relative of Mary's, possibly an aunt or cousin. We don't know for sure. But like Mary's pregnancy, Elizabeth's is miraculous as well. Elizabeth was considerably older. She had never been able to conceive a child. So Gabriel mentions this fact later in the text, and as he shares this news to Mary, it is further evidence to Mary that anything with God is possible. Mary is from Nazareth, which is a city that bears no cultural significance. It was in the middle of nowhere. It was flyover country. It's an unknown hometown. It's, it's, it's an unlikely hometown for somebody who would have such a significant role in history. We're told that Joseph is from the line of David, which is important because we're told in Scripture that the Messiah was to come from David's lineage. At the time of this news, Mary is pledged to be married to Joseph, who's a working-class carpenter. Some translations use the word betrothed. Betrothal is not the same as engagement. It's a legal binding contract where parents agreed that their children would marry. Betrothal lasted about a year, and during that year, the girl would prove her faithfulness, and during that same year, the boy would prepare a home for her, a place for her, usually an addition to his father's house. So given the culture of that day, her identity as a virgin and her betrothal, Mary was probably about 14 years old. Now, the fact that Luke identifies her as a virgin is important. There are some who would want to discredit the virgin birth and say that Luke's use of the word virgin is better translated as young woman, but that is not the case. But all of these points account for why Mary is so confused and so surprised when Gabriel announces that she will give birth to a son. She's confused about how she could be pregnant when she knows her own integrity, She's confused as to why a girl like her from a flyover town would be choosen, chosen for such a remarkable task. Over the course of our series, we'll have the opportunity to address certain misconceptions about Mary that have developed over the course of time. One of these misconceptions is the idea that Mary deserved to be chosen, that because she was devout, virtuous, and humble, she was chosen by God for this task. While these certainly are qualities and traits that we see in Mary's response and in her life, um, and in response to the news that she receives, they are not things that earned her this. We cannot earn God's favor. That's true for us today, and that was true for Mary as well. 
Mary was favored because God set his undeserved grace upon her. Mary recognizes this. And we don't just see that in her obedience. We can see that in her confusion as well. Now, it's important to pause and take note of the fact that favor with God doesn't mean that things will be easy. There are times when saying yes to God is easy, but it's not a promise. In fact, sometimes saying yes to God is incredibly challenging. And that's true for Mary here in this instance. Mary, finding favor with God, means being unfavored in the eyes of her surrounding community. Mary is about to become a betrothed teenager, pregnant before her wedding, with a baby that is not her husband-to-be. It is not her husband's to be. But Mary takes God's messenger seriously, and yet in humility assesses the situation cautiously, not doubting the authenticity of Gabriel's message, but asking for more information, wanting to make sure that she was indeed God's chosen vessel. So Mary accepts her role graciously, knowing that the Lord works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform, and that if God ordains it to be so, it will be so. She understands that if Elizabeth can be blessed with a miracle baby, why not Mary? Mary's trust meant that she knew the Lord so well that she was compelled by a firm belief in his love, his character, his reliability and strength to devote her all to him in the confident expectation that everything would turn out like he promised. So what can we learn from Mary? We can learn humility. Mary doesn't presume to have earned her favor with God. She recognizes that God has not shown her favor because she is special, but rather she is special because of God's favor. And the same is true for us. To this day, God continues to extend his favor, and it's not anything that we can earn or achieve. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 3, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It is nothing that we can earn, but rather we must have the humility to recognize God's favor is because of his unconditional love. Mary displays this type of humility. We can also learn from Mary's faith. Mary responds with remarkable faith. When God gives you the opportunity to participate with him in moving his purposes towards completion, you have a choice to make. What if you say no? For sure, God's ultimate purposes cannot and will not be frustrated. Will it simply yet profoundly mean that you exclude yourself from participating in what God is doing? I'm going to open up a theological can of worms here, and I won't be picking them back up. <laughs> but Mary could have said no to God. God doesn't force us to follow him. So let Mary's words guide and encourage you. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Let her words influence your mind and heart as you're invited to cooperate with God, whether in something small and apparently insignificant, or large and utterly unimaginable. We can also learn from Mary's response of worship. 
The last thing that we see in our text for today is this beautiful hymn from Mary. After hearing of her relative Elizabeth's pregnancy during this visit from the angel Gabriel, Mary leaves town, goes to visit with her family. It could be that she wanted to go and be with Elizabeth to help her with the delivery of the child. It could be that she was still trying to figure out whether or not this message from God was indeed true and going to see Elizabeth for proof of this. Um, but here's what happened when she arrived to visit Elizabeth. Luke tells us, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord will fulfill his promise to her. When we're complimented for something we've done, or have received acknowledgement or accolade for some accomplishment of ours, it's easy for us to well up with pride and pat ourselves on the back. But that's not how Mary responds here. It'd be easy in that moment for Mary to get caught up with a sense of pride for the decision that she made to say yes to God. But that's not what we see. Instead of allowing Elizabeth to continue to shower her in praise, Mary instead chooses to turn and worship God, saying these words. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary was a person full of grace, not because of her own self-righteousness or by her own worth, but because of God's choice for her to be the mother of Jesus. She was the vessel. She was the servant, even to her own son. Mary herself realized her sin and her need for salvation. So City Church, the hope of the Advent season is this. The God who calls Mary highly favored is still at work in the world. The Messiah that the Old Testament prophets wrote about, that the Israelites had longed for, came into the world as a human baby that first Christmas. He lived a perfect life. He showed us the perfect example of sacrificial love in his ministry, in his death on the cross. He showed us his power over death and his resurrection. And though he may no longer walk on this earth, we are highly favored by God because of the grace given to us in Jesus. Like Mary, we can be invited, we are invited into being a part of God's continual work on this earth. We need only respond in humility and in faith. Let us pray. God of majesty, you are holy. And we thank you for Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. You sent him into this world to satisfy the longings of your people for a Savior, to bring freedom to the captives of sin and to establish justice for the oppressed. He came among us 
as one of us taking the lot of the poor, sharing human suffering. We rejoice that in his death and rising again, you set before us the sure promise of new life, the certain hope of a heavenly home where we will sit at the table with Christ, our host. We thank you for the example of humility and faith that we see from Mary. May we too live our lives with a similar humility and faith as you invite us into your work of continually redeeming your people and your creation and your world. Amen.